few days ago, I was visiting with one of our couples here in the church. Quite enjoyable in our conversation, the topic came up of gardening. Now, I'm a curious person, so I began to ask the question, well, tell me, has the time for planting for summer crops already come and gone, or, or when is all this supposed to take place? And I got a very loving, cheerful response from the wife of the couple when she said, city boy, you just need to go on home, and we can tell you haven't spent much time in the country. Well, it may be true that I'm not much of a gardener. In, in fact, uh, uh, I love to be outdoors and do things like that, but a green thumb I do not have. In, in fact, uh, my type of gardening is just put on a, a big wide brim straw hat and put on some old clothes and a hoe in one hand and a cold drink in the other and say to someone else, dig over there. In fact, I, I can't even do very good with plants in the home or the office. You can ask my secretary or ask my wife. If, if it was up to me, those, all those plants would just die. In fact, I think some of the plants go ahead and, and, and die early, committing suicide because they don't want that long, drawn-out process that I put them through. But that doesn't mean that it, I, I don't know that agriculture and crops are important. I know that they are, and they are important to any society that seeks to thrive and be healthy and when those problems arise, when the country does not have a good crops or, or if it doesn't have a strong agricultural community, it can create a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. In fact, here in our own nation, back in World War I and World War II, uh, we went through such a time as this, and it was because, of course, of the great wars that were at hand. And our own government then began to look to the people and seeking through them uh, to plant what was called, you might recall, victory gardens. Some of you senior adults here today and, and some of you who are watching by television, you, you remember victory gardens because everyone got involved, whether it was in the backyard or whether it was in some vacant lot down the street or even whether it was just a rooftop experience, everyone was asked to get involved and plant food and vegetables for themselves so that they could help offset the problem that had been occurred because of the wars. And so as a result, 20 million people or 20 million homes did just that. They produced those victory gardens in those backyards and in those back lots. And in so doing, they were able to produce what the State Department of Agriculture would say was somewhere between 9 and 10 billion tons of food, something that would also have occurred in normal times of agriculture in peaceful times with the agricultural individuals who were out there raising farms. So it was something that our people as a whole, because of our nation, saying, we need you to do this, and they got involved and they, they survived. They not only survived, but they thrived. Well, today I want to say to you that we're in a different kind of wartime. We're not in a wartime where we're off in other countries like we were in World War II and World War I, but we are still engaged in many types of war today. But the war I'm speaking about is not a war on terror. It's not off in a distant land, but it's right here in our own backyard. And it's a war, a spiritual war of a spiritual nature that likewise has diminished to the point to where we're seeing today a malnutrition of the spirit. We're seeing today a malnutrition of, of individuals who are not thriving, who are not surviving in a spiritual means. And as a result, not only is our home life, not only is our church life, and not only our communities suffering, but we're seeing the effects of immorality across our nation take grand tolls. 
Today, I want to challenge each one of us, not just the senior adults, but the young adults. I want to challenge you teenagers, and I want to challenge even the children that may be in our congregation today to recognize that we, too, can get involved planting spiritual victory gardens, if you will, in such a way that we can see victory come back to God's people here in the United States. And we need to do so. If you will, turn in your Bibles with me today to Psalms 92 as we see the psalmist giving to us some indication that not only shall we survive, but we can thrive in the garden of God. Psalm 92, beginning at verse 12 through 15. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Father, we pray that your spirit would guide us through the promises of your word and that we too would likewise be receptive of the challenge to plant spiritual victory gardens first in our own lives, but then also with others as we look unto you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice, if you will, here in Psalms as it begins, it says the righteous will thrive like the palm tree. Now, the palm tree is known with Israel in a historical sense to be its representative tree. It has been found on their coins as an image there on their coins. It has been found in the temple engravings on the temple walls back in the Old Testament days. It's even said to be going to be something that is in the millennial kingdom that is to come, engraved on that temple as well. We look in scriptures and we can find that in the recording of Jesus having his what we call the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that individuals were taking palm leaves and they were laying them down before him in victory. We also read in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, that in the tribulation times, the tribulation martyrs were standing before God in holding palm leaves in victory as they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. So palms and palm trees and uh, palm leaves in a very uh, wonderful way are depicted in Scripture as those things which represent victory. And it says here in this passage, the righteous, listen, the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. The palm tree is known for its ability to thrive in harsh and difficult circumstances. Some of you may recall in movies that you have watched over time where there are great desert scenes where an individual is left alone, they're abandoned, somehow they're in trouble. And there in that desert scene, they're walking across that dry and weary land. And they start off walking and you can see already they're hot and they're perspiring and they're having great difficulty. And suddenly that walk turns down to a very slow move and then that move turns into a crawl and before long you see the scene coming where the individual is now crawling just on the top of a sand dune and just as they get over the top of the sand dune they can see there in the distance the oasis that grove of palm trees that signify that there's life and there's vitality and there's water there to be had that can help strengthen and restore You see, the palm tree is a resilient plant, is a resilient tree, but it does not do so on its own. It thrives because of the roots going down deep into that sandy soil and connecting with the source of life, water that draws up into those roots and causes its leaves to be green. 
we need to be like that palm and power up, if you will, through connecting likewise with the living water, the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus, you may recall in John chapter 4, as he's talking to the woman at the well, goes there with great intent saying, I must needs, I have need to go into that area of Samaria to witness. And as he's there at Jacob's well sitting, a woman at the well comes from the city to draw water. And it was there that he looks unto her and says, give me a drink. Now, it was quite unusual for men, especially men of of Jerusalem, to be there, Jewish men, to talk to Sumerian women. But there at that well, he asked her to give him a drink. And she, being quite surprised, looks at him and says there in John in chapter 4, beginning at verse 10, saying, You asked me for your drink? To which Jesus says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see, Jesus is not talking now about the water that's in the well. The woman thinks that he still is, but he's not talking about the water that's deep down within that well, but rather he's talking about the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of an individual. Individuals who will turn in faith and look unto God, knowing that through him salvation is experienced and forgiveness of sin is given. And in verse 13, we hear those words again. Those planted in the house of the Lord, they will thrive in the courts of our God. Notice what it says. Those who are planted in the courts of the Lord. Those who are there in the midst of God. Those who are connected and planted through faith in Jesus Christ. Those individuals, those righteous individuals will thrive. Now, he's not talking about a righteousness that is derived on our own. He's not talking about a righteousness through good deeds that we can do for the Scriptures tell us very clearly in Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of our righteousness is as filthy garments. We're not talking about individuals who are trying to work their way to heaven, but those who are turning in repentance and faith to know that the only way that we can find a right relationship with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And so doing, we find the indwelling of the Holy Spirit coming to bring newness of life, a presence of Christ's Spirit, and a power to live beyond what we ourselves are able. Clearly, we can understand the better uh, words of Paul in Philippians 4.13 when he says very clearly, through Christ I can do all things. What a great promise for you and I today to know that we can power up through the very presence of and the power of God and not have to seek to please Him and not seek to do those things on our own strength, which will always fail. But God gives us the ability and God guides us by His Spirit that we might do greater things still. In 2005, the scientific world was amazed at something that happened that had never happened before. You see, through those who had excavated a site by King Herod, they had found some... 2,000-year-old seeds that had been hidden in a jar. They had been put away in a jar in in a very dry environment. They were protected from the elements. And in 1976, those seeds were discovered. They were put away for another 30 years in storage. And there in storage, someone found out about it by the name of Dr. Tillman. Dr. Tillman discovered those seeds and began to look up and wonder, what can I do? How can I see if these seeds might come back to life again? 
And so she had the bright idea of taking those seeds and soaking them in hot water for a little period of time, opening up to the possibility they might receive nourishment down deep in the, in the core of that, uh, that crusty uh, husk that was around it, that there might be that possibility that life might spring forth. Well, in January of 2005, after soaking those seeds in hot water and then putting them in a seaweed fertilizer solution, those seeds were planted. And six weeks later, 2,000-year-old date palm seeds grew and sprout forth life. Can you imagine that? 2,000-year-old seeds sprouted forth life. My friends, this is encouragement to you and I and the fact that God, no matter where we have been and what we have done, God is able to spring forth new life into us. No matter what our circumstances, we can understand that God causes us to be born again, that we might be able to flourish in the midst of all that is going on around us. Nicodemus, a religious leader, came to Jesus in the night and in John chapter 3 we find recorded that he had come to the Lord seeking questions And through those questions and through that opportunity, Nicodemus was told, Nicodemus, if you are to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. To be born again simply means that one repents from their sin and they turn to God in faith and through the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through that wonderful promise that God will give you newness of life. He will give you the power and the presence of His life in you. Newness comes. A new life abides in Him And you and I are called upon in this present day, if you will, to live by the power of the Spirit and not according to the flesh. You see, in the flesh, there is no ability to glorify God. In the flesh, there is no ability to overcome the hardships and difficulties in the day in which we live. But Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, saying to them, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Isn't that a great promise for us today? That when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within the life of everyone who looks to Him in faith, we will have power to be His witnesses. Now, this is not a physical power. This is not an economical power. This is not a political power. But this is a spiritual power that brings newness of life for you and I to overcome the difficulties and not just survive, but thrive and flourish in the day in which we live. Christian, I'm here to tell you today, that's what we need. Each and every one of us need to know the indwelling presence and power of God in our lives. And not only do we need it for our own selves, but this nation needs to know it. And this nation will only know it as you and I go forth in commitment to Him. We not only need to be powered up, we also need to grow up, if you will, if we are to have these victory gardens of the Spirit. Here we find in verse 12b in our section today, He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. He, the righteous man, he, the righteous woman, will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They will spiritually grow. They will spiritually mature. And my friends, we have much need for that today. The palm tree and the cedar tree are evergreens, and they're growing all the time. All the time that they exist, all the time that they live, they're continuing to grow year after year after year. The palm tree may grow into respect of some 80 to 100 feet and it can withstand all sorts of storms and all sorts of drastic temperatures. But it, my friend, draws down deep into the soil to bring forth that water which gives it life and gives it stamina. Its bark is is very pliable. It's long and tall. And when the hard winds blow, it bends. It doesn't break. 
Likewise, the cedar tree grows in high mountainous areas and it withstands those winter storms, those harsh, cold winter storms that when that brittle cold comes, they're able to overcome, they're able to survive because likewise, their roots have gone down deep into the soil and the roots have embedded around that hard rock bed that is there in the mountainous regions. And when those winds blow, when that harsh reality of the storms come, they not only survive, they continue to thrive. Likewise, it is so for you and I today. If we are to grow spiritually, our roots must go down deep into the Word of God. Our roots must go down deep into the life of God, knowing that He is the one that brings us that source for living. Listen to these words that we find in Romans chapter 8 and Colossians chapter 2, promises that God gives unto us through the Apostle Paul's writings. As he says in Romans eight twenty nine, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. All of our lives, as we look in faith to Jesus Christ, all of our lives, the Holy Spirit is working within us to conform us to be like Jesus. That means that we're growing day by day by day. Paul goes on to write in Colossians 2, verse 6, saying, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him having been rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. The Apostle Peter, likewise, gives the same sort of direction for you and I as he states in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the Word, that there you may grow in respect to your salvation. You see, to be productive and truly victorious in this world, it's going to take a continual growth process that God is seeking to build within us, making us spiritually mature that we might face the realities of this day in which we live. There is a strong spiritual battle that has come across our nation. And if you and I are not ready to meet the battle within, if we're not ready to meet the battle without, we too will continue to fail. But here in verse 14, we read these words, these promises, the righteous will flourish. They will still yield fruit in old age. Seniors, aren't you glad to hear that promise today? That you can still bear fruit in old age. Spiritual fruit that will glorify God, that will build up the church, that will help others in many, many different ways. Now listen, I want you to remember this because it's so very important. No matter how slow your progress and how many setbacks you encounter, you will always stay ahead of everyone else who has never even begun. Did you hear that? No matter how slow your progress, no matter how many setbacks, you're always going to be ahead of others who haven't even begun the journey. You and I can never turn back or reset the clock, but I tell you this, we can do this one thing. We can wind that clock up again by going back and looking to the refreshing power of God's Spirit that dwells within us. Every day we can reset that ability to go forth and know that God will enable us to do exceedingly abundantly than what we can do for ourselves. We must not only power up, we must not only grow up, but thirdly, if we're to have a spiritual victory garden, if you will, we must also move out. Verse 15 in our passage today says, To declare that the Lord is upright. It is He who is our rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Christian God has given us a great commission. He has given to you and I the commandment that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. 
We are the ones who have been given the task to go forward into the world declaring, as the psalmist says here, that the Lord is upright and in Him there is no unrighteousness. He is our rock. He is our stability. He is our life. To this, then, every day we must give of ourselves to go into our communities, go into our workplace, and whenever we meet anyone that may be someone we have known for years and years, or whether it may be a stranger, it is our task and it should be our individual duty to make sure as our business to be very intentional, let them know that Jesus Christ lives. To let them know that Jesus Christ saves and that He is the one that can stabilize their unstable lives. They need to hear that Jesus, the Word made flesh, is here to give them the greatest gift they could ever receive, eternal life, the very presence of God's Spirit living within. And that's what we need to remember as well. In verse 14, he says, And they will yield fruit even in their old age. My friends, you're never too young to start, and you're never too old to stop. God is willing to work with us and empower us in ways in which we can never imagine. But there is indeed a spiritual war that's happening today all around us. And you probably experienced some of those battles even in your own home. You've probably experienced some of those battles even in your workplace. And you've probably even experienced those battles right in your own soul. You see, God is the one who is able to give us fresh new life. That we might flourish like the palm. By the indwelling of His Spirit, life as you have never known it can begin to take on a whole new perspective. The Word of God begins to open up like you've never read it before because the Spirit of God is the one who is able to make us grow and learn and thrive. And it is through our going out in obedience that we begin to see victory, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. Spurgeon once said, Every aged Christian is a letter of commendation in the inimitability and the fidelity of Jehovah. Christian, God never changes. As long as you and I live, God will never change. But as long as you and I live, you and I are to change day by day by day by giving of ourselves over and yielding to the power and the presence and the sovereignty and leadership of Jesus Christ in our lives. Have you done that today? The righteous will flourish like the palm tree. In conclusion, I have just a few questions I would like to present to you. Will you humble yourself in the presence of God today? Will you humble yourself in such a way that you will yield your life to receive the fresh anointing of Jesus Christ for victory over sin? To flourish in a, in a time when the world needs to see what Christianity really is. Are you flourishing or are you floundering? That is the question that stands before us today. God seeks to empower us even when we're old to make our lives shine for the glory of Jesus Christ. You may have made some mistakes and you may not be where you want to be, but that has nothing to do with the decision that you make here today. Your future, your family, our country is at stake. You and I can possess the answer and we can possess the very power and ability to make a difference. The question is, is will we? The question is, is will we? Never 
give up. Turn to God and know that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. And He, heal, he will heal our land. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Is God speaking to you today? I know He's speaking to my heart. Let God be God in all that we are for His glory, for the sake of our families, and for the good of our nation. May it be so. Father, we thank You today for this opportunity to recognize that young and old alike have great worth and value to You. And because of Your Spirit, Lord, that can abide within repenting of sin and turning in faith, we know that there is newness of life to be had even in the midst of our hardships and difficulty. We can experience joy exceedingly glad. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness unto us and pray that those who hear this word will receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps you prayed that prayer with me to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Perhaps you can identify with the struggles that are going on. You know that battle, that war that's going on, and you want to receive Christ. If you have prayed that prayer, if you just want to come down and pray and say, Lord, help me. I need to know that fresh anointing today. I need to know that power that gives victory of the Spirit. We'll be here for you. If you'd like to join the church, become active members of our fellowship. Likewise, we'd like to invite you to come down the aisle right now. This is a time of invitation. If you've already prayed, and if you've already looked unto God and sought that forgiveness, we'd just like to know about it. As we stand and sing, be sensitive to the movement of God's Spirit in your life. And as He so directs, you move out.